Real quick before this podcast starts, I just wanted to mention uh, this episode was recorded over the course of the entirety of April. Uh, The quarantine is still mostly in full effect, and I am not going to school at the moment, so I have not had as much time in the car to sit down and record episodes. So, yeah, this whole episode was recorded over the course of a whole month, and I finally have enough content recorded to post this episode, and now it's May the 4th, so uh, May the 4th be with you guys. Have a wonderful day. Let's get right into the podcast. Greetings, party people, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Switched Podcast. I got a real treat for you today. Um... Today I thought I'd sit down and I'd talk about some of my fun and wacky stories I picked up in my short time attending a major university. Now, as some of you who know me in real life may know already, uh, in my time attempting to pursue further education already, I have attended roughly two semesters, give or take, at a major university in the state that I live in. And, uh... That didn't end up panning out for me. To long story, long story short, uh, that didn't end up panning out for me for financial reasons. And uh, now I am gleefully attending community college at a much lower rate, and still attempting to earn some sort of higher education degree. Um, But anyway, uh, horrible, traumatic life events aside. We're going to jump into a couple stories that I have from my fun times attending a major university. Let's jump right into them. So the first thing I wanted to share was some stories from my job. Um, When I was attending school at this major university in our state, um, I was working... uh, part-time as a dining hall worker, I guess you could say. I was trying to think of a good title, but honestly, I couldn't come up with one. I was just basically a food service person at uh, at one of the dining centers on the particular college campus that I was at. And uh, I had a lot of interesting encounters and experiences while doing this job, and I thought I'd talk about some of those. So... Um, at this particular job, I should preface real quick. I can give a little more details about this because this time period is long gone and I don't see myself getting in trouble for talking about it because uh, it's been so long and it'd be like obscure to really figure out what and when and where this was. Uh, but at this job, I worked it probably about 10 hours to 12 hours at most. Uh, Every day of the week for the week, I only worked like 10 to 14-ish hours every week, and that was about it. Uh, I was trying not to work too much because I really wanted to focus on my studies, and as a part of that, for some reason I thought it would be a good idea to take these uh, shifts for the latest shift I possibly could, uh, because that way I could have my classes during the day spend about four hours after my classes uh, doing homework, playing some video games, enjoying life, 
And then around the time that I would normally go to bed, I was like, well, why don't I just shave three hours off of my sleep and go to work instead? Um, So that was the idea I had. And as you're soon about to find out, it did not really work out for me the best. Um, So at the time, I've never really been much of a a night owl. I've always been an early riser, early to bed, early to rise kind of guy. And in this particular case, I was just starting out my first ever semester of college anywhere, and I was on my own for the first time ever. Um, So basically every day I was probably playing, I want to say four to six hours of video games. I was like at peak, peak gaming hours uh, during this initial first semester of attending any sort of college. Uh, And because of that, my uh, early to bed, early to rise motto had kind of changed itself a little bit. But still, in general, I was almost always in bed by, like, 10 o'clock at the latest. And, uh, 10 o'clock was a pretty good time to go to bed for me. Any later than that, I would start to get, like, really, you know, sleepy and all, like, crazy and shit like that. Um, so if I went to bed before around 10 o'clock, I would be mostly fine. Um, but... After I got this job, I stopped going to bed at 10 o'clock. This shift, um, and I, I think I worked four out of the five days during the weekdays and then no weekend days or Friday. I believe that's what I did. I believe I did four, no, it was three hours for four days, usually per week. Uh, no shifts on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You got to pick your own shifts, which was pretty nice. Um, and these shifts were from 10 p.m. No, was it 10? Yeah, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., which three hours, not that bad. For me, though, like I said before, me, an early riser, uh, early to bed, early to rise type guy, uh, this was not good, and I should not have done this. This was really not not a good idea at all. I was not used to staying up till 1 a.m. at all. Now, if I was one of those people that always, like, just stayed up till 1 a.m. anyway and slept in till, like, noon, this would not have been a problem for me, but it definitely was. So the first week or so working at this job was a huge adjustment for me because... I was going from going to bed at 10 o'clock to going to bed at 1 a.m. And I still, some days, had to wake up at 8 a.m. So I was running off of a lot less sleep than I was used to. Still plenty of sleep, but a lot less than I was used to. I had a class at 8 a.m. on certain days, so I'd have to get up at like 7 o'clock, 7.30 on those days. And it was rough, man, I tell you what. It was really rough. But anyway, let's jump into some stories. Um, So... Story number one, pretty pretty fun little harmless story. Uh, so the way that the workplace was kind of split up is there were student workers, student supervisors, student managers, the actual manager who was an employee of the university, and then there were cooks. And the cooks were not like 
degreed cooks or anything. They were like, think of them like lunch ladies, but they're actual adults and they're not college students. That's the key element here. Um, and that's kind of how the balance went. And of course, I was at the bottom of the totem pole. I was just a student worker. And one day, uh, we had this really bitchy lady. For the sake of uh, humor and anonymity, I will call her Karen. Uh, but we had this bitch Karen who was a, a cook. And she was probably like mid to late 30s, if I had to guess. And one day she was making mashed potatoes. And this bitch would always like boss us around, even though technically we were at an equal level to her because the cooks and the student workers were technically at the same level in the workplace, even though the cooks like to think of themselves as above the students. Uh, but this this cook lady would boss all of us student workers around like we were her fucking bitch. A lot of the other cooks were really chill and really nice, and some of them were like even like sleeping with the students, and it caused for some really awkward encounters. Uh, but this Karen chick, she was a cook, and she was a real bitch. And you'd always be walking by, uh, because the shifts that I always worked, we call them the floater shifts. And basically, it just means out of all of the different workstations available at this particular dining center, you go to wherever help is needed. Uh, I'd always be walking to my workstation, wherever I was positioned for the night, whether it was dishes or the salad bar or the pizza station or something like that or the cutting area and she'd pull me aside and she'd say hey I'm running behind on cleaning up this area of the kitchen because I have too much cooking left to do and too much prep work left to do I need you to mop my area so anyway uh she wasn't technically allowed to do that, but if any of the supervisors came by and saw you were helping her out, and all she had to do was say that she needed the help, and they'd say, oh, okay. So basically, she just bossed people around, even though she wasn't supposed to. And uh, this led to everyone kind of despising her behind her back, and she didn't really get it. Um, and she didn't really think anyone, anyone hated her, but everyone did. But anyway, one day, she uh, she had me come over and start mopping and sweeping her kitchen because she basically closed down half the kitchen and went over to the other half of the kitchen and uh and was not and was working on some food prepping making like sandwiches or something over on that side of the kitchen well anyway uh the this place of work was not very strict in terms of like allowing you to be on your phone and things you were allowed to check your phone. You were allowed to have Bluetooth earbuds or Bluetooth speakers and listen to music as long as you were working in the back and not up at the front at the salad bar or something like that. So you were basically just at your own discretion as long as you're not getting too distracted, allowed to listen to music and check your phone whenever you were getting a text message or anything. This bitch said she was having trouble getting finished and she needed to do a lot more cooking before she had to go home for the day so I had to sweep and mop her half of the kitchen well she was sitting there on her phone and she was not prepping anymore she finished her prepping probably about five minutes in and I was still sweeping and mopping her kitchen area um and so she she like leaned on the counter had both of her elbows on the counter holding her phone and she was texting and watching YouTube videos and scrolling through Facebook on her phone. Well, anyway, 
Um, so this, of course, was a bad situation waiting to happen. She was holding her phone, and at the time she just finished making a bowl of mashed potatoes. And we always took the bowl of mashed potatoes, and we put them in the, we put them in the, uh, in the freezer or whatever, the cooler or whatever you want to call it. And we'd save them for tomorrow and reheat them and that kind of thing. Um, typical standard food stuff. But anyway, she was just she had just finished doing that, and she got a text on her phone. So she ripped off her gloves, and she was holding her phone over the mashed potatoes. And her hand slipped, and she dropped her fucking Google Pixel into a bowl of mashed potatoes. This bitch dropped her phone into some mashed potatoes. And, uh... Thankfully, it was a Google Pixel, so upon a reboot, it was it was more or less fine. But it shut itself off and everything. This bitch, like, properly gave her phone quite a bit of water damage because she couldn't stop texting for five minutes to saran wrap some fucking mashed potatoes. But yeah, um, this lady was genuinely just not the greatest, and she caused a lot of trouble for different people um, at the workplace and caused everyone to hate her and everyone to gossip about her and everyone to wish she wasn't there so the days that she was sick everyone was ecstatic that she was gone um the only good things i could say about her are she did know where everything was in the back room so if i had to put away like uh if i had to put away like sacks of grain stuff like that she knew exactly where they went and she'd tell me um but otherwise horrible horrible lady and she dropped her phone into some mashed potatoes and she had to remake a whole bowl of mashed potatoes that day just goes to show you but yeah there's the first little story for you so another thing that i used to have to do with this job uh same job was when i worked at the salad bar there was three people that worked at the salad bar um one person was in charge of stocking the bakery items because the the like brownies and cookies and things was on the opposite side from the salads um the other person was in charge of stocking up on the salad stuff like the lettuce and the different toppings and the croutons and shit like that and then the third person was the person who we called the ice cream man and the ice cream man was responsible for um standing in front of the uh scoopable ice cream containers and uh dishing them out for the different college students that came up to the counter and asked for ice cream and i remember i used to love doing the ice cream man shift uh and i've got a little bit of a two-parter story about the ice cream man shift so uh, the first time I ever worked the ice cream man shift, I had never scooped ice cream for anyone else before. I had only ever scooped ice cream for myself into a bowl at my house. And I don't know that we'd ever really, we've ever really owned an ice cream scoop in my house. We always just used one of those big tablespoons. Um, so that was my first time using an ice cream scooper. So that was definitely an experience, using it for the first time to dish out ice cream to people. Uh, but basically, the stories I've got to tell, the first part is about some of the crazy shit that ice cream, uh, that I did for people on their ice cream cones. So basically, you could either get a dish 
um, with ice cream, or you could get a cone with ice cream. And we were only supposed to give them a maximum of three scoops in the dish or three scoops on the cone. Well, me being the employee that I am and are, was, was, and still am to this day, I wanted to give the customer the most out of their money. Even though, I mean, it wasn't like they were paying money up front or anything to beat the ice cream, to get the ice cream at the dining center. But still, I wanted to give out as much ice cream as I possibly could. And the way I did that was I would not count putting packing ice cream into the cone as one of the scoops, even though we were supposed to. So basically, the normal way that they'd want you to get the most ice cream on a cone is you do three scoops. The first scoop is uh, put on the ice cream cone and then like packed into the actual cone itself to fill up the cone. And then the other two are, are stacked on top. So you basically get two scoops on top. What I did is I did not count the packing one as a scoop. I would always do like little scoops, like three or four little scoops to pack up the ice cream cone. And then I would start doing my actual scoops. So normally when I did ice cream cone scoops, I would ask people how many they wanted. And I normally got a lot of ones and twos, so I never really broke the rules that much. But sometimes I'd get three or fours, and they'd be stacked that many high, three, four scoops high. And I'd make sure to, like, indent the previous scoop so the top scoop would fit into it perfectly and it wouldn't topple over. Um, But anyway, one day I was offered a challenge. Uh, Not directly, but indirectly. Basically, I did my normal routine as Ice Cream Man. And I basically said, okay, how many scoops would you like? And the guy said, how much can you give me? And I said, I can give you about as much as you want, quite honestly. I'll put as much as I can fit on the cone if you want. And he said, sure. I stacked that ice cream cone 10 scoops tall. Literally, like just one right after the another. He was like, whoa, that's awesome. Apparently, he ate like half of it, like half of the scoops. And then the rest of it, he put in his freezer in his dorm room and was eating off of for like a month afterwards. It was pretty awesome, if I do say so myself. And he definitely got his money's worth out of that. Um, So anyway, the other part of the story uh, is involving the toppings. So we never really had a lot of ice cream toppings. Normally it was just like, if anything some chocolate syrup, maybe some M&M's for the bulls. Um, But we used to find ways to put uh, M&M's on the cones by filling up a bowl with M&M's and then pushing the ice cream uh, on the cone into the bowl and surrounding it with M&M's and locking those M&M's into place. And you'd get ice cream cones dipped in M&M's, which is pretty sweet. Uh, But one day... Uh, we ran out of bakery items, so we had no brownies, no cookies or anything. So instead, they really beefed up the ice cream bar um, by adding a shit ton of toppings. So there was, like, crushed Oreos. There was gummy worms. There was M&Ms. There was, like, Skittles. There was all sorts of shit at this ice cream bar. And my story comes from these two 
uh, college-aged girls came up to the ice cream bar, and one of them flips up their sweatshirt and makes like a, a makes like a little bowl by flipping up the front of their sweatshirt and fills it with M and M's. Literally, like more M and M's than you'd get in one of those really really big bags of M and M's. I'm not even talking like the sharing size. I'm talking like the ones that have like a like a, a plastic uh, resealable thing on them. She got more M&Ms than those. And she just filled up her fucking shirt with M&Ms. It was insane. And the girl next to her, I saw she had flipped up hers. And she had like six apples and like a couple bananas in there. We had signs posted everywhere. You are not supposed to take food out of the dining center. To be honest with you guys, I did all the time. Um, and and I guess so did they, uh, because that girl literally walked out of our dining hall with so many fucking M and M's. It was insane. It was literally so crazy. And uh, I mean, I guess it makes sense, you know. At least she got her money's worth. But yeah, so that's that's another interesting story. Now this last one here about ice cream shift uh, is one where. Um, I encountered a supervisor or a manager even in a very interesting way. So uh, one of my bosses, uh, I'm going to call him Gary for the sake of this. Uh, Gary was very interesting. He was kind of hard to understand for reasons that I won't go into. Uh, And in general, he was just kind of an awkward guy. Um, Well, one day I was working on the ice cream I was working at the ice cream station. I was the ice cream man. And I've been a drummer for a long, long time, if you guys are unaware. I, uh, I've i played the drums in multiple concert bands and a couple jazz bands, uh, marching bands, all sorts of different things. But anyway, sort of, I just kind of habitually tap on things. And my girlfriend hates it. And... Apparently, so did this manager. So I was working at the ice cream man shift, and I started like tapping and pounding on the ice cream machine. You know, like doing like a boom, 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 but like pounding my fist on it lightly, and then tapping it, and then pounding it on it twice, and then tapping it and making a little beat out of pounding and tapping on the ice cream machine. Um, And nobody really cared none of my fellow co-workers at the salad bar really cared and none of the college kids who came in really cared either uh but this manager gary um did something pretty funny so he came over and instead of just saying hey could you cut that out please please don't tap on the ice cream machine he said uh hey you're, you're gonna break it man I was like what and he's like are you some kind of a drummer or something and I'm like yeah yeah I'm in the concert band and he says oh are you really you're a drummer huh and I was like uh yeah he's like well uh let's hear it then and he wanted me to tap out a beat for him and I was like on the ice cream machine he's like no on the counter over here so I like went over to the counter and then he's like, hold on, hold on one second. And he radios this other manager to come over to the fucking, uh, the counter and come listen to me tap, uh, a rhythm. And he's, he said, uh, 
Yeah, this this guy's a music major, so why don't you why don't you show him what rhythm you were doing? So I go back to doing my little boom chick boom boom chick rhythm that I was doing by pounding and like tapping and stuff like that. And he's like he's like, Did you say you're a drummer? This this is the other manager by the way. We'll call him like Leroy or something. Uh and he's like did you say you're a drummer? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, let's hear that rhythm again. And I did it again. And he's like, oh, what band did you say you were in? And I was like, the concert band? And he's like, oh, well, that makes sense. And he was, like, dissing on me super hard. So basically, he had brought over him, another manager, and another manager to listen to me tap and, like, just sit there and, uh, like, explain how... Or, like, have everybody comment on how I was bad at drumming. And it was really fucking weird. And it, it sounds a lot worse than it actually was. But, yeah, literally he he brought the other managers over just so he could make a point And tell me that I was a bad drummer. Instead of just saying, hey, could you please stop? He, like, brought everyone over and made an example out of me. And it was really fucking... It was really weird. And I... To this day, I'm not entirely sure if he was doing it to be an asshole... Or if he was doing it because he liked me. Uh, because later on, those same managers that were, like, listening to my to my drum beats and making fun of me and stuff uh, offered me a manager position at that particular place of work. But since I didn't end up working there that much longer, I never ended up getting to take it. But I got offered a supervisor position from them uh, at a later day. And I'm, I'm always, I've always wondered, was it because they liked me that they did the whole drumming, bringing over the managers to make fun of me thing? Or was it because he genuinely was trying to be an asshole? I honestly don't think I'll ever know. But there's another one from the dining hall. So another story that I have, again from the same place of work, uh, is about when they announced the first DLC fighter for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Um, So at this point, I was working as a floater still at the same dining hall. Um, And the particular shift that I had this night uh, was the dishes shift. So I got to do dishes from 8 to 1 a.m., uh, that's about as fun as it sounds. And so basically, um, I remember very vividly, basically the dishes room had th- four different stations, I want to say. So basically it had one station where there were a bunch of sinks, and this was like the heavy-duty, grease-covered dishes. And your job was to basically stand over there and uh, spray water with a hose onto the dishes and get as much of the grease off as you possibly could. Um, so then, after you did that, you really just had to, like, scrape the heck out of the dishes and try to get as much grease and crap off them as you could. And then you passed it to these, this other person. This other person was the dishwasher loader, and their job was to, obviously, load dishes onto the dishwasher conveyor belt. Um, and then it went through the dishwasher for probably about two minutes or so and then it came out the other end and the the dryer end person's job which was what I was doing on this particular night 
is to take the dishes off of the dishwasher and place them on a shelf to be returned to their uh, station that they're from. So the last job, which I did quite a bit as well, uh, basically had you standing around this conveyor belt. This conveyor belt like wrapped around you in a U shape. And once it reached the end of the conveyor belt, all the dishes would just fall off onto the floor. So your job was to pick the dishes off the conveyor belt and wash them in this like flowing trough of water. It was like a slanted uh, diagonal trough of water and it was flowing downwards. The water would flow through it and you had to take the dishes off of this conveyor belt before they hit the end and fell onto the floor and you had to like wash them in this trough and then put them on a different conveyor belt that took them to the person to load onto the dishwasher. Um, so that's a basic layout of what was going on in this kitchen, or in this kitchen, in this in this dishes dishes room, dish room, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but anyway, this particular night that the story is from, I was working at the end of the dishwasher, taking the dry-ish dishes off of the off of the dishwasher and putting them on the shelf, and. I remember specifically, like, the dishes would almost never come out completely dry. Bowls especially were really bad about it because bowls would have water still in them from one side, even though they were blown out and dried by air uh, at the end of the dishwasher. Water would still be left in the bowl, so you'd lift the the bowl off of the dishwasher and, like, hot, boiling, boiling water would come off the dish and fly and hit you and it sucked and your hands would come out all pruned and your shirt would come out all wet and it was really a bad time not gonna lie um and I remember specifically um I was standing at the end of this machine and my phone vibrated in my pocket there was a Nintendo Direct on this day um, but unfortunately since I was working I didn't get to watch it. It was a really late one, surprisingly. Um, but I was... Oh, no, you know what? It might have been the Game Awards. It was the Game Awards. That's why it was so late. The Game Awards were happening on this particular night. Uh, and Smash was set up, set to come out later in the week. And I got to watch a bit of the Game Awards before I went into work. But they were still going on when I was at work. And my phone vibrates like a shit ton all of a sudden. And um, there was like a gap in unloading dishes from the dishwasher. I remember because the we were waiting for more dishes to come in. It was a pretty slow night. Um, and so I quickly rip off my rubber glove and whip out my phone real quick to check uh, what all the vibrations are from. And literally, um, I got like a couple texts from a couple different friends and my Google News notifications were lighting up because Joker from Persona 5 got announced for Smash Brothers. And I was fucking flabbergasted. I was like, are you serious? I missed the announcement of Joker for Smash Brothers? I was so upset. Um, but literally, I started playing Persona 5 probably a month or two prior to... Uh, this announcement. I had been playing it for probably about three, four weeks or so. And it was mainly because I picked up a PlayStation 4 on that Black Friday um, right before this got announced. Uh, and then 
a little bit after I picked up that PlayStation 4, I picked up Persona 5 and I started playing it. Uh, and I was loving it. And then all of a sudden, he just showed up in Smash Brothers. It was like, it, it lined up so perfectly because I started getting interested in the game. And then all of a sudden, he got announced to be in Smash Brothers. And I was just fucking blown away. And I was at work. And I was, like, trying to contain my excitement, and I had to put my phone back real quick. And then I was just standing there, and I was like, that's got to be a rumor. There's no way Joker is in Smash Brothers. And I spent the rest of that shift just, like, thinking about it, and I was like, oh, my God, no way. Wow. And as soon as I got off from that shift, I ran straight back to my dorm room and pulled up my computer, and sure enough, there it was at the Game Awards joker from persona 5 getting announced for smash brothers ultimate which was coming out later in the week i was so fucking hyped i was just like oh my god it was insane it was literally so insane and i remember the dining hall so well now like i can put myself back into that position because of that absolute shock and surprise from that announcement i can just think right back to the moment i looked at my phone and then I can feel, like, the water all over me, and I can feel the heat of the dishwasher, and it really, like, caused me to remember that moment so vividly, and it's kind of crazy. I have a really, really bad memory. Some of you may know listening to this, and uh, it's weird how stuff like that can just trigger me to have a perfect memory. Like, I can literally remember specifics about who I was working with that day and everything. It's nuts. All because of it being the same day as the Game Awards. But, yeah. I thought that was an interesting little story. Um, Some other quick-fire mini-stories like that. Uh, There was one day where I was working another shift in the dish room. And one of our jobs at the end of the night is we basically took this, uh, this power wash... And we power washed absolutely everything in the dish room. And all the water would go on the floor, and then we had to squeegee it into the drains. Um, And I remember we were power washing the floors one day at, like, probably 12.30, almost 1 a.m. And the supervisor of our area, uh, he was a... He was not from America. I believe he was from somewhere in Asia I don't exactly remember where and he was trying to learn English Um, and this place of work was actually really nice and they let us listen to music and such so he he took over the Bluetooth speaker and he started playing the music he was listening to to help himself learn English and he was literally listening to like the farmer in the Dell Mary had a little lamb shit like that so we literally were power washing dish room to the farmer in the dell or there was a farmer what's that one called old mcdonald yeah old mcdonald and like it was i have such a fond memory of that time too because we were working so fucking hard even though that was only a three-hour shift i only ever really had three hour four hour shifts at a time i have so many fond memories of that because we were working super hard and everyone at that workplace was just so nice and we all got along so well there was a couple assholes here and there, but for the most part, every single coworker that I had there, I got along with, and it was really just a, a pretty great place to work, not going to lie. But yeah, there's another story. Is there any other interesting, interesting ones? I mean, probably not really. 
it's probably about time we move on to the stories from actual college itself instead of just focusing on the dining center stories even though a vast majority of my favorite stories are from the dining hall themselves so now for my next story i promise it's not about the dining hall this one we're going to get into some actual college stuff i'm going to talk about how um susceptible you are to scams living on a college campus so basically what happened was one day uh it was a early morning just after it rained you know so i had that kind of like earthy smell going on and i was walking in between two classes um and i was kind of in a hurry because the next class started soon and i was listening to uh, a podcast on my phone with my bluetooth earbuds so anyway uh I was just getting off the bus and walking towards my next building when this guy started following me, this Indian guy, and I did not realize he was following me at first. He was trying to talk to me, but I had both of my earbuds in, and even when I did eventually hear him, I thought that he might have been talking to someone else, because who would be talking to me? Um, But eventually, he did catch my attention, and he was like, excuse me, sir, excuse me, sir. And, um, I took my earbud out and I was like, hey, yeah, what's up? And he's like, I just wanted to ask you, how are you so happy? Well, I was, I was like thinking about it for a second. I was like, was I smiling because of my podcast having a funny joke on it or something or what? I don't know. Um, and I was like, eh, just listening to some music and a podcast, you know? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And he, uh, he reaches up his fist. He's like, hey, give me some knuckles. So I was like, yeah, okay. And I, you know, I hit his knuckles. Like, give, give him some bro knuckles. Um, and then he was like, oh, yeah, man, that's good. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you know, a happy guy like you would do really good in, with Hinduism. And I was like, with, with Hinduism? He's like, yeah. Do you know anything about Hinduism? I was like, no, not really. And basically at this point is when the scam really begins. He took his little satchel and flipped it open and started handing me like probably five or six different books, like a stack of them. And he's like, this is this is da-da-da-da-da. And he was handing me all these books and a lot of times when you're on campus wandering around people will hand you like pamphlets or little pocket bibles and shit like that and they're giving them to you and you know you you just you take them you move on you throw them away later in the trash uh and that happens quite a bit but this guy handed me like five or six like textbook sized books about hinduism i guess and he's like is he was explaining all this stuff to me like as he was handing them to me and as soon as he started handing me books i just like started dismissing him right away i was just like oh okay he's just gonna give me a bunch of free shit and then i move on and i throw it away later well no that's not how it happened at all so after he finishes handing me all the books he uh i'm like hey uh 
I mean, I'm not super interested in this, but I'll definitely take a look. Thank you. And I start walking away with his books. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. The books are not free. You have to pay for the books. I was like, oh, God, here we go. So he he tells me, he's like, "Um, all of these books, uh, are I'm selling them, and they're on sale today only for $300. I was like, you want me to buy all six of these Hinduism books off of you for $300? And he's like, he's like, yes, yes, yeah, it's good. And I was like, no, I don't, I'm not interested. Thank you. And I walk away. Well, anyway, um, later on the, I see the guy talking to somebody else and trying to sell some books to him. And the reason I'm doing this is I exit my class because I go to the class after I talk to him for the first time. Then I exit the class, and he's still in this area talking to people, trying to sell his books. And uh, he, I watch him, and he, I, I overhear him talking to this guy, and he's saying the same exact things. And then he's like, he knuckle, he gives the guy knuckles. I heard him out of the corner of my ear when I was walking, saying, "Hey, how are you? So happy." And that's when I turned around and looked, and he's giving this guy knuckles. And I, I'm like, "Hey, just so you know." He's about to try to sell you a bunch of books about Hinduism. He's he's not actually interested in your in your day or anything. He's just trying to sell you some books. And they're pretty expensive too, just so you know. And he's like, "Oh, really?" And he's like, "Yes, these books can be." And he's like, "Oh, no, I don't want them." And he walks away. So I felt really like I don't know, I guess happy in that moment because that guy was trying to go around panhandling his books off on some college students who definitely can't afford it, and he's just running this, like, persuasion train on everyone, just trying to convince them, oh, here, buy all these books off me, and I was just like, geez, Louise, dude, like, don't panhandle your books to college students, that's the last thing they need is getting roped in, and then buying your freaking $600 books or whatever, so the moral of the story is, if anybody tries to talk to you, in an overly nice manner in college just walk away unless if it's uh college staff because sometimes they might be offering you free food or free ice cream and in that case definitely talk to them um but yeah not to call anybody out i won't say any names but i later found out at a different university one of my friends had a similar situation happen where a similar person came up to them and did the whole same act as this one guy but he actually managed to sell my friend one of these Hinduism books. And this friend is probably extra susceptible to the idea of Hinduism and, like, all of that inner peace and stuff like that. So I wasn't surprised when they said they got they got, got by him. But, yeah, they, they get people. So keep an eye out for scams on college campuses for sure. Alright, now the next story, um, I gotta keep very, 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 uh, very, very general and not give any, any, any specifics whatsoever, uh, because I could probably get in trouble for talking about this. I did not sign any NDA specifically, um, but I know for a fact that a lot of the stuff that goes down with these kind of people is kept secret, so I gotta be very careful exactly what I say. Uh, but the next story is probably one of my more insane stories from my time at major universities. 
Uh, and that is the story of how I almost got into uh, fraternity. So, those of you that are unaware, maybe you're not from America, or maybe you just didn't really know, uh, a lot of colleges have fraternities and sororities. Fraternities are for boys, and sororities are for girls. And, uh, basically, to boil it down, in the simplest terms, I apologize if you're in one of these and you disagree or you think it's offensive. I'm just kind of making a joke here. But basically, a fraternity, fraternities and sororities are primarily for a bunch of people to get together and live together and party and also uh, act as a support group for both each other and the community around them. I think that's a pretty good explanation. Um, a lot of them are academics-based. They are very focused on partying. At least a vast majority of them are. And uh, and they usually have houses that they live in. Uh, but this one that I'm about to talk about may or may not have. And so anyway, uh, I was at university for my first semester at a major university. And I had a buddy who I had not hung out with in a long time. Uh, we were buddies in elementary school and middle school. And then I changed schools like two or three times. But we ended up reconnecting a little bit in college. Uh, and he knew at the time in college I was, um, I was involved in our college's smash tournament group. And at the time, I was practicing Smash for Wii U basically every day, and uh, I was attending some tournaments. So basically, my friend, uh, my longtime friend, was getting inducted into one of these fraternities. And they were having like a little party for some of the potential inductees to meet some members of the fraternity. And for the sake of this story, we're going to call him Monka S. Kappa. Because um, that's that's what my fraternity would be called if I had to make one. It'd be Monka S. Kappa. Um, but anyway, so these people were from Monka S. Kappa. And they had like a little miniature casual smash tournament. Nowhere near as difficult or uh, long or properly set up as the ones that I was used to attending while I was in college. It was more just fun, like, scrimmaging than more than anything. It wasn't truly, uh, like a Smash tournament or anything. But they were having one nonetheless, and at the time, I had been practicing, uh, Smash Brothers for Wii U, uh, for probably about two months, three months tops, and I was maining Mario, and I basically exclusively was playing Smash for Wii U. Well, at this particular event, they were playing uh, Brawl and Melee. And so, I brought my GameCube controller, as I always did. I literally carried my GameCube controller around with me in my backpack, and I'd have scrimmages with random people. It was actually pretty sick, not gonna lie. And, uh, and I hung out at their little, their little, uh, recruitment meeting, and I played some Smash Brothers, and I did lose because I haven't, I hadn't been practicing Melee or Brawl at the time, so I lost quite a bit. I did okay, though, um, and at that point, uh, after it was all over, my buddy sort of was like, hey, what did you think of these guys? And I was like, oh, they're kind of fun. And he's like, well, 
I'm in the process of getting inducted into their fraternity right now. Uh, would you be interested in possibly also getting inducted into it? And I was like, sure, why not? I mean, there's no commitment, right? If I want to back out, I can at any time, right? And he's like, yeah, of course. And I never signed any contracts or anything, so I think that's why I'm okay to talk about this. Uh, basically, um, he sent me a text message probably like three days later saying there was an induction ceremony that we had to go to and it was literally like at the end of the week on Friday at night and I was like what the fuck really an induction ceremony and I did not have any fancy clothes to wear and he said it's a formal gathering so I like I found like uh my high school uh tuxedo top like my tuxedo jacket from prom and it did not fit me anymore because I wore it when I was a junior to to uh to prom and I gained quite a bit of weight since then so it like barely fit me so I wore that unbuttoned and then I wore a dress shirt dress pants that were like also kind of small on me and it was honestly just like a disaster it was disgusting and I did not really have time to buy any dress clothes I should have just canceled right then and there but then again if I would have I wouldn't have gotten this interesting story out of it. But, anyway, uh, so I had my, like, shitty formal wear on, and I went ahead and met up with my buddy at the place we were set to meet for the Munka S. Kappa induction ceremony. And we were standing waiting in this lobby of this building, and, uh this guy came out and he was like are you guys ready it's gonna be starting soon and there was probably like three or four other people with me and my friend who were also getting inducted it was a pretty big induction ceremony um and then all of a sudden this guy that came out and asked us if we were ready earlier he comes back out and says they're ready for you now and this is where it gets kind of crazy and I have to be a little more general with the specifics because uh, I don't want to get in trouble for talking about this uh, this meeting if it was private. So basically, uh, we go up to this uh, we go up to this door to enter this place and this guy opens the door and you can tell the room is pitch black and... He opens the door slightly. He's behind the door. And the guy that's leading us is talking to him. And he's like, Who have you brought today, brother? And he's like, I've brought some young men that are looking to join Munka S. Kappa. And he's like, What are their names? And he goes down like the list of all of our names. And, and then he's like, What's the password? And he tells him like this secret password that's really complicated and it must be some Greek stuff. He's like, very well, welcome, brothers. And he opens the door. And this room is pitch black, but there's all these people in cloaks with candles. And this was the creepiest shit in my entire life. We enter this room, and they're all standing there in the pitch black dark in this room with candles in each of their hands. And they're all standing there, and they're chanting... And they're saying stuff like, brothers, brothers, brothers. And there's a podium in the middle with two candles on it. And this guy is standing at, at it, and he has a robe on as well. And uh, 
he brings us to the front and we say like this pledge thing it's kind of hard to explain he says like repeat after me i i your name and then you say your name and like i went through this whole pledge and recited this pledge and honestly it kind of worries me that i like signed up signed a contract through the pledge um that i did not actually mean to sign or something like that and that's why i should not be talking about this but I'm still going to talk about it anyway. So anyway, after I set a pledge and probably signed my life over to some kind of fucking cult or something, uh, the the scary frat boys uh, like did some more chanting after we were done. And then the guy at the podium says, like, very ominously, very well. And the and the candles are all blown out and then they turn on the light and everybody starts taking off their cloaks and they're just wearing like dress clothes underneath and they all start laughing and we sit down at this table and they they give me this uh pin that means I'm in an inductee into this fraternity and they give me this book that's called like uh the book of brotherhood or something like that and they start talking about like all of the stuff we're going to have to do if we want to be involved in this uh, fraternity. And I didn't even necessarily see myself staying at this college for the next semester. So I was already like, oh my god, this is insane. Um, so anyway, after a while of talking, uh, it almost felt like the freaking the, the scam thing. Because I had no idea this was going to involve money. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, they're like... And yeah, and by then you'll need to pay your $600 inductee fee. I was like, wait, 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 wait. It costs $600 to join this fraternity? And at that point I knew I did not have 600 bucks. I didn't even have fucking 200 bucks to put into this thing. Um, so I had to go ahead and cancel my plans to join that fraternity, which is probably for the best because I didn't even end up continuing my education at that school. But yeah. So that's my experience with a fraternity. I gotta say, it's really creepy, and I never returned the pin or the manual. So hopefully, I'm never gonna get in trouble for that. And uh, my buddy is still in the fraternity, and he's very happy. So I have no trouble with fraternities. I'm sure if you're in one, it's really great, and I'm pretty sure he gets quite a bit out of it. So that's my story about fraternities. Alright, so next, of course, since I've talked about how I was in Smash tournaments uh, in the last part of this, I better talk about that now. I just realized I haven't even talked about that yet in this podcast. So, when I was at this major university, uh, the first semester that I was there, I competed in many, many Smash tournaments. Uh, probably about five or six, which is really not that many, uh, but... I had a lot of fun nonetheless, and I thought I would share some of my experiences. So, uh, when I was at this university, I almost said its name, <laughs> trying to keep it somewhat anonymous, anonymous, whatever you call it, secret. Okay. Uh, when I when I was at this university, uh, I was in one of my computer science classes, and I was watching over the VOD of me playing Subspace Emissary on a live stream. I was doing a playthrough of Subspace Emissary 
uh, on Smash Brothers Brawl in honor of the uh, the upcoming release of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And I was sitting in my computer science class, double checking the VOD for that live stream to make sure everything. Uh, went through okay, make sure all the audio sounded okay, because that was my first live stream that I had done in a little bit, um, and sure enough, everything sounded pretty fine and everything, but there was a side effect to me looking at this VOD, so because I was looking at this VOD in my class when I was supposed to be doing schoolwork, uh, next to me, this guy was sitting next to me, um, and I won't say his name or anything, uh, but this guy was sitting next to me, and I'd never really talked to him. I really kept to myself at the beginning in college. Uh, and I was watching this VOD of me playing Subspace Emissary, and he's like, Oh, is that Subspace Emissary? I was like, Yeah. I uh, I was just checking over a VOD that I made. I was live streaming it last night. He's like, Oh, you play Smash? I was like, Yeah. Casually. Super casually, but yeah. And he's like, Like Smash for Wii U? I'm like, well, no, I have Melee and I have Brawl. And he's like, oh man, I was hoping you had Smash for Wii U. I'm waiting for my dad to ship my Wii U and my copy of Smash for Wii U in the mail. He, I forgot to bring it with me when I left for college and everybody's playing. I was like, really? Is there a big Smash scene here? And he's like, oh, oh yeah, they have tournaments and everything. I was like, really? He's, yeah. And so we sort of hit it off and... Uh, we walked back to the area that our dorms were in together, and we were talking Smash Brothers. He's like, hey, you want to play Smash Brothers right now? And I was like, uh, sure. And basically, he just went door to door um, in the dorm uh, that we lived in. He lived in the one across from me, so we were in that one. But otherwise, in our area of dorms, he just went door to door and looked for people with their doors open and checked to, like, ask them, hey, do you guys have Smash Brothers? And he just went door to door to door and kept asking people, like, hey, do you have Smash Brothers? Hey, do you have Smash Brothers? Um, and basically through him and his determination to play Smash for Wii U, uh, we managed to find some guys who had a copy of it uh, and they were willing to play. So I went and ran back to my dorm room and grabbed one of my GameCube controllers and ran back to this area. We literally just set up a flat screen with a Wii U connected to it and a GameCube controller adapter and some GameCube controllers. And we just impromptu set up a huge Smash game that lasted like four hours or so. And it was insane. Literally, I had the day off work that day. And we just all of a sudden got into some Smash Brothers. And it was fucking awesome. And uh, we we literally set up and I played some Mario. And uh, this guy that I met in my class was way, way, way better than me. He mained, uh, he mained I want to say, Ike. Um, and... We spent the rest of the night playing Smash Brothers against a bunch of random people. And eventually the guy who owned the Wii U and the game had to get going to his own job. 
So, of course, my buddy that I met in the class was like, hey, can can you just leave your Wii U and we'll return it to you? And he's like, no, no. I, I got to take it back, man. I'm not going to... I don't trust you guys enough. I don't even know you guys to leave it with you. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Don't, don't try to bother him too much about it. And uh, so we had to be done for the night. But anyway, he was still having a hankering of playing some Smash. And he said, you have Brawl at your dorm room, right? And I was like, yeah, I got a Wii and uh, a copy of Brawl. And he's like, well, I guess let's go play some Brawl. I'm still not tired of playing Smash. So we went back to my dorm room and whipped out the worst Smash Brothers game. If you've never played Brawl, it's it's just, oh, it's really something. I mean, I had fond memories of it when I was a kid, and I really enjoyed it. Um, but after you've played literally any other Smash Brothers game, it's hard to sit down and play Brawl. It really is. Brawl is just so floaty and, uh, and slow-paced compared to the other Smash Brothers games. Even the N64 one feels faster than Brawl. Uh, but we played Brawl nonetheless, and we, we did a little bit of skirmishing on there, and, uh, and we had some fun. Uh, and basically... At the end of that day, I had probably played Smash Brothers for six to eight hours or so. It was insane. It was probably almost midnight by the time he left my dorm room. And I played a lot of Smash Brothers that day. Um, And that sort of started our little miniature friendship that lasted that semester and then died immediately. So every other day or so after classes, we would meet up outside of his dorm room and we would go into the common area, set up a flat screen in a Wii U, and bust out some Smash. Eventually, his Wii U arrived, so we got to use that one, and he had, like, mods and everything, and he had Project M on there, so I dabbled with a little bit of Project M, and that was always fun. Um, but in general, we mainly just played Smash for Wii U on his Wii U, and, uh, and eventually, even further down the line... I had my own Wii U that I was playing uh, Wind Waker HD and Twilight Princess HD on. So I went ahead and picked up a copy of Smash for Wii U as well. And I started practicing every single day for like an hour or two. Um, I would come back from my classes, play Smash for two hours while watching all my YouTube videos and content. And then I would jump into homework, finish homework, and then from 8 o'clock to 1 o'clock... I would go to work. It was really something. That time period was just insane and chaotic in my life. Um, but eventually, after probably a week or so of us hanging out every other day or so and practicing a lot of Smash, he's like, hey, there's a tournament this weekend. Uh, do you want to go to it with me? And I was like, sure. And so Saturday night... Uh, I went over to his dorm room as if we were going to play some Smash in the common area. But instead of playing it in the common area, uh, I had to carry his backpack full of GameCube controllers, Wii U Pro controllers, his Wii U, his copy of Smash, uh, power bricks, HDMI cables. And he had to carry his flat screen TV. And we carried it across campus. Uh, where we entered this really, really nice building, this brand new engineering building that I'd never been in before. Um, and there was basically these two classrooms across the hallway from from each other. And in the right room, you could see 
the melee players getting like going hard in there. Like they had a scoreboard up and they were live streaming it and everything. And the melee players were really taking it seriously. There was probably like eight CRT televisions in there and they all had GameCubes with HDMI adapters and like fancy tricked out controllers with like flashing lights and shit. And they were going hard and they were playing melee and it was nuts. Like the the melee players took the game so seriously and I, it was so impressive. I don't know if I've ever really seen anybody uh, in real life that's taken the games that seriously. And meanwhile, on the other side of the hallway was the Smash for Wii U crew, as I like to call them. And in that room, it was a lot more modernized. Instead of there being CRTs dotting the room, uh, there was probably five or six big flat-screen televisions and then a projector in the back. And the projector was where the main uh, the main fights were happening, but all the flat screens dotted around the room was where uh, the the regular fights were happening. And there was a bracket. And the first week, I did not actually enter anything, and I never ended up winning really any of my matches except for maybe one or two. Um, but I was more there for the fun of skirmishing more than anything, and it was a it was a blast. It was an absolute blast. And my buddy from my class uh, was in charge of one of the setups, so he had to bring his flat-screen TV and his Wii U and his controller adapter and everything. And it was so cool seeing this many people with GameCubes and this many people with GameCube controllers because when I was young, I was, like, an outcast. Nobody really had GameCubes or anything like that. Everybody had, like, PlayStation 2, PlayStation freaking 1, Xbox... Xbox 360 eventually, and I always was just the one with the GameCubes and the Wiis. But here was a huge group of people with GameCubes, and I was just, like, I was blown away. It was so crazy seeing that there were other people out there as obsessed with this stuff as I was. And it was really something. And my buddy made it to, I believe, the top four one time um, with his phenomenal Ike playing. Uh, but he never managed to complete an entire tournament and win, unfortunately. But we sure did have a lot of fun. And it was really crazy seeing how serious some people took the game. I was so casual compared to all of them. Even in the Wii U group, there was a couple people who took the game so damn seriously. Like, later on, we picked up a third member to our little group um, of practicing. And uh, it was this other guy. We'll call him Jay. And... Jay mostly played Duck Hunt Dog and We Fit Trainer. And Jay joined our group and started practicing with us every other day when we practiced together. And he was insane. He was so good. Um, he wasn't the best player in our group. Later on, we even gained a fourth and a fifth member. Uh, but he was very, very good nonetheless. And when I finally managed to beat him was when I felt like I really had won. I uh, I managed to beat him in a match. He was playing Duck Hunt Dog, and I was playing Mario, and I'd been doing enough practicing as Mario to finally get some KOs on Jay. And I felt so I felt so powerful, and I felt like my practice was finally paying off because I had finally managed to best Jay in a match of Smash Brothers, and it was really awesome. That being said, the fourth member we added to our group. Um, and we'll call him, like, Zeke or something like that because I don't actually remember his real... Oh, yeah, I do. I do remember his actual name, but we'll just call him Zeke. Um, 
he was this rich boy who was attending our university from California for some reason. He decided to go to this university that we were at. And shortly after those two semesters that I spent at this university, I, uh, I still have him on Snapchat. And he was traveling the world and he was going all over and seeing everything. And I was all sorts of jealous. And I thought about removing him, but I thought it was cool to see his traveling. Uh, but anyway, he was a god at uh, Zero Suit Samus. And he played Zero Suit Samus like a fucking mad person. And he destroyed each and every one of us. And nobody could beat him, no matter what. Nobody could beat him. And then we took him to a tournament with us, and he got second place. He never managed to beat the last guy. The last guy, he didn't even seem anywhere near as intense or into it as our fourth member of our group was. Uh, and, but Zeke still could not beat him, and it was crazy. And Zeke was so good at the game. Honestly, I had so much fun skirmishing with those guys and just having fun playing some Smash Brothers. And I really wish I still had a big group of guys to play Smash Brothers locally with like that. It was so great. And I never got to play Ultimate with them because I left I left that school uh, shortly before Ultimate came out by like a week. And I never went back to it. So it was really sad. And we never uh, stayed connected after that. We just kind of forgot about each other, stopped messaging each other, that kind of thing. And I don't even have him on Snapchat or phone or anything. And it, it's kind of a shitty situation, but it was inevitable. We really, our whole friendship was just based on Smash Brothers. And nobody wants to play Smash Brothers over the internet. And we all live so far away from each other. So it was just inevitable at some point that we were going to break off and uh, stop hanging out. But yeah, that's my experience with Smash tournaments. I uh, highly would recommend if you have uh, the possibility to go to one. I mean, obviously, right now, thanks to our fun friend, Mr. COVID, uh, we have no opportunity to go to any of those things. Uh, but if you ever have an opportunity after all this blows over to go to a Smash tournament, even just to play some friendlies and have some fun uh, non-bracketed matches with some players, I highly recommend it. The vibe at those kind of places is just unmatched, and it's really, really, really interesting how... Uh, how involved it can be and how intense people can actually take the game. Time for a Switch recommendation, folks. Today I'm going to recommend you a new Switch indie game, and today that game is Good Job. Good Job is a quick and easy and fun little puzzle game for the Nintendo Switch where the story basically revolves around you're the son of a CEO of a very lucrative and popular company. Um, and you, because you're the son of the CEO, get special treatment at this company. And you become a repair person for the company, and you just are do a horrible fucking job. You do an awful job. Don't let the title lie to you. You're honestly the worst fucking repair person, maintenance person I've ever seen. Um, but since you're the CEO's son... Everybody just tells you a good job. And the game is really cute. It has a cute little art style. And it's it's very, uh, very just sort of nice and easy and simple. A nice little simple game. Um, maybe something fun to play between your, uh, your Zoom classes 
or between sessions of Animal Crossing. Uh, and it's on the eShop. It's a great little game, and you basically just, like, operate cranes. You have to move objects between rooms and just do, rent, like, general maintenance man stuff. Um, and you can either do a really, really good job for real and not break anything um, and try to be as careful as possible, or you can break as much shit as you want. And there's, like, a grading system, and you get a higher grade and stuff based on how fast you do it and how little stuff you break and stuff like that. It's just a really fun little game. Definitely go on the eShop and check Good Job out. I can't recommend it enough. So yeah, folks, anyway... Uh, there's some stories from my time at a major university. Uh, that's definitely not all the stories that I have, so there'll probably be a part two to this uh, college chat at some point. Uh, but I thought I'd just share some of them because all of this being stuck indoors shit uh, has been really bogging me down and making me think of the good old times when I could hang out with huge groups of people at major universities and stuff. Um... But yeah, if you guys haven't checked out the last episode of the podcast where I talked serial killers with my lovely girlfriend, I definitely recommend you do. Uh, it's really an interesting episode and uh, also inadvertently is one of the highest quality episodes because I had to record it in our room instead of on the go in my car like I am for this episode. Um, so you should definitely check it out. There's lots of interesting information in there, and you can experience it for the first time with me and uh, and hear her lovely voice, and uh, it should be pretty interesting to check out. But yeah, thanks to you guys for listening to this episode of the Switch Podcast. Hopefully we'll be getting back into these. I want to start working on the Animal Crossing episode. Uh, I've been playing lots and lots of Animal Crossing, in case you were wondering. Just every time I try to get my thoughts down, in podcast form. I've tried to record the episode like two or three times now, but my brain's just too scatterbrained and I need to organize my thoughts and write some notes down and really just focus in on uh, on how I feel about the game as a whole. So there might be a follow-up episode. There might not be. We'll have to see. Uh, but either way, you folks have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful week and I'll catch you all in the next episode of the podcast. See you. Bye-bye.